Welcome to GovTech Talks. I'm Jen Bensey. And I'm Tiffany Wright. GovTech Talks tells the positive stories of technology being used in the public sector to better our communities. And today we're actually talking with Rebecca Harness, the Chief Information Security Officer, or also known as the CISO at QuickBase, to discuss best practices in choosing safe, secure partners in the public sector. Rebecca has an established 25-year career in information technology and um, has spent the past 12 years specifically focused on the information security and compliance piece. She serves as a board member for ISACA in St. Louis and holds a number of um, technology and security certifications. On top of all that, she's also nearly finished in her pursuit of a Master of Science Information Security Engineering degree. And I just wanted to give you a shout out on all of that because it's super impressive. So um, it's always nice to have another uh, strong, successful, you know, woman on the, on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's great to have you here, Rebecca. And you know, um, this is really important, of course, to our customers and and we specialize in the public sector segment. So um, we're really excited to talk to you today to uncover a little bit more for our listeners. And, um, you know, we were reading that the Verizon data breach investigation report last year um, showed that partners uh, were a factor in 39% of data breach data breaches. And um, with cybersecurity on the minds of every CIO, uh, even on the top 10 priority lists for the state CIOs of NASIO, we know that this is, you know, one of the cornerstones of what CIOs are going to be focusing on for the year ahead. And at the end of the day, Really, their program is only as secure as its weakest partner, right? Absolutely. You know the I, I think, and I think that number is only going to grow over time. Yeah, as we, uh, I think one of the hot buzzwords out there among CIOs right now is digital transformation, and you know how do we evolve our business uh, to be aligned with the, the digital economy, with the global economy, um, and, and when you're looking at you know uh, government offices and such, and like the state of Missouri where where I'm based. You know, they're taking a top-down approach and just really looking at all their technology across the state, their software, how it's been developed in the past and, and where they're going in the future. And, you know, at that state level, doing a digital transformation. Um, and, and the only way you really get there, especially, you know, in this economy with this job market, you know, resources are incredibly difficult to find, uh, probably doubly so for, you know, state and local governments. Um, so the, really the only way that you're going to make that happen is by relying on more and more partners to perform those functions that, that isn't something that specifically the state, the local government, um, or any organization, you know, must do themselves if they can outsource it really, that's, that's what makes the most sense. Um, but of course that, that outsourcing comes with a lot of challenges. And, and one of the key challenges is more often than not, that requires providing some level of privileged access of, you know, that additional layer of administrative access into the environment, whether that be for something like payroll or for key operations or, or just, you know, uh, day-to-day support of, you know, air conditioning systems or other, you know, other types of infrastructure. And so that, um, I think that 39% uh, of partners being, you know, at least partially responsible for a breach um, is likely to grow over the next few years. And so I think that really starts to beg the question for a lot of CIOs out there, like, what partners do I trust and how do I know that I'm, I, I can trust them? You know, what, what is good enough when I start to assess these uh, type of things? And so it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a challenge for the industry today. And it's as, as a partner to thousands of organizations, that's, that's something we have to look at ourselves is 
how do we express that to our customers that we can be a trusted partner, that we do the right things and have those right things built into our security program to ensure that we keep uh, them safe as, as well as as well as ourselves. You hit the nail on the head. It's only going to grow the the number of data breaches. And actually, in local and state government, it's likely um, even higher than that. In a Norris report in 2021, um, local government CISOs responded to a survey of mainly large U.S. local governments, so not really the state, but the local governments, and 57% of them said that they were under attack constantly, 29% said at least hourly, and 14% said daily. Um, So I found it really interesting because we were joking, we were at a conference uh, a few weeks ago, we were joking with one of the CISOs from a state, and um, they were talking about how they can't understand why they're having a hard time, you know, filling roles in the security office and government because they're always being attacked, like they're always fighting off attacks. So you constantly get that experience of working against, you know, hackers um, in the government sector. So they know that it's an even larger problem in government than it is in, in private sector, especially just because they, I mean, that's what they manage, right? They manage citizen data, personal identifiable information, and they're, they're managing that in so many different ways. So, um, and just thought those were some interesting statistics that I would share. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I I know some folks in the local state government here in Missouri, and it's it's such an incredible challenge. You know, you're you're fighting against a, you know a budgetary process that doesn't evolve nearly as rapidly as it would in the in the private sector. Um, so you've really got to be thoughtful and careful about you know your approach to the problem, and and we're seeing that at the national level now. Uh, CISA um, has at, at the federal level has really taken an aggressive step forward in providing guidance and support so that those local local governments, state governments, federal agencies can, can really get focused on the right things um, and, and, you know, swat away some of these attacks that they're seeing uh, on a daily, hourly basis. And, and I, w- I would say, you know, probably any government um, is, is attacked on, on almost an hourly basis. Uh, whether they can see it with that level of visibility or such is, is really a limitation that I think a lot of them are facing today is, is having the right tooling in, in place uh, to, to gain insight into, into what they're really seeing uh, at, the, at, at their local level. Well, a lot of the times, uh, you know, the data that they're dealing with, as Jen alluded to, is truly mission critical infrastructure uh, type systems. So it's, it's critical to everyone in a community's uh, interest to keep those networks secure. So from that standpoint, I know that we talk a lot about a security culture here at QuickBase. Um, And as a partner to, as you said, thousands of uh, companies, both private and public, what does that mean to you? It means a lot to me. Actually, it means the world to me. And, you know, I I don't want to be, I don't want to, um, I don't want to undersell that of how important that is for an organization, especially one like QuickBase, where, you know, top to bottom, you know, north, south, east, west, throughout the entire organization, everybody has a role to play in security. Um, You know, I I think in the security industry, we used to try and make the case that security is everybody's job. And kind of the more modern sentiment of that is, no, it's, it's not everybody's job. It's your job, like your job individually as a person. Um, you really have a critical role to play in the organization because the reality is with LinkedIn out there, it's very easy to understand who's associated with an organization um, and with, especially with other social media and that sort of thing. So uh, the, the reality is individuals are really under attack and they're under attack because of their association with their company 
and who their company may have as um, you know as customers. Last year, we saw some devastating attacks on some cybersecurity focused uh, organizations um, because they provided critical tooling for the federal, and state, and local government sectors and such. Um, and you know, kind of in the debrief and in, in the um, you know the after action reports that came out of that and, and understanding what really happened and how did it happen. Uh, you know, a lot of it was really around culture, even though these were cybersecurity companies, you'd think everyone would be on board. The reality is there, there were some gaps there. Um, and so that's that's critical for us here at QuickBase. You know, I've, I've been here, I guess, about seven months now. And I got to say, I was just hardened the moment that I walked in the door at the level of engagement across the organization um, with cybersecurity and, and people's you know ownership of security tasks. And so the, you know, one of the first questions we asked ourselves is, okay, well, how do we support that? How do we grow that? How do we, how do we, how do we, you know, um, uh, bring people more, you know, into the fold and understanding, you know, how critical their role is? Because I think people are doing it as a natural outcome of their business, but not, not really understanding that the role they play with a greater organization. So um, that, that culture, that fostering that culture and, and, you know, weekly, monthly events that we're running uh, with, with our team to help people understand that, yeah, you're, you're a critical cog in this, in this wheel that we're trying to build here um, has been, uh, has been perfect for us. I think the other side of that, you know, it's, it's probably one of the greatest things to us is, and, and one can probably imagine with, with what we do with the type of product we, we provide, we undergo a lot of thorough, thorough security assessments from some of our customers. Um, so we've, you know, we've really got to understand our security program. Um, a lot of our customers, you know, may want to talk to operational personnel or people, other folks in the organization to understand how they do their job. And so helping them um, understand how to communicate that and what, what customers are really looking for is is critical to us. And that really involves the culture. I mean, because it's it's got to be something that people are proud of that that they want to share and and, and help others understand. Uh, that That's a so, so building that type of culture within an organization, especially when you're charged with the uh, protection of, you know, thousands of companies, critical operational, you know, data that they rely on, you know, to run their businesses and ensuring that we're providing and, and our development teams are thinking about what features can I provide our customers uh, so that they can uh, have um, uh, better faith in the protection of their data uh, is, is essential for us. It's, it's, it's a neat problem to solve. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a fun thing to experience, you know, here at QuickBase because of the level of interest the whole organization has, uh, in that story that we're trying to tell. It's funny because I just took one of the security trainings from QuickBase today and they are like, they're funny and they're quick and they're easy to understand. And I think that that's just another example of it being like the culture you guys aren't you know, you will realize that people don't want to sit there and watch an hour long video at one time to learn about security. Right. And then there were some competitions that you guys threw in there as far as like reporting phishing emails and things like that. So uh, I definitely can say that I recognize those things from QuickBase when it comes to the culture side of things. Yeah. One of the key things that I challenged my folks with, uh, you know, in my group is that security should never feel painful. You know, whether we're doing a compliance exercise or, you know, educational activities or something like that, it shouldn't feel painful. Um, We should be, you know, constantly engaged. It it shouldn't be an annual event. It should just be a continuous process that we we reflect across the organization. And, uh, you know, it it should be about positive engagement and and, and really, um, 
providing it in such a way that people want to help us, uh, you know, uh, learn about security and, and express security within the organization. And so I, I'm glad to hear that. It, it's, it's good feedback and uh, certainly the, the type of result that we're aiming for. Yeah, and so it's interesting because I think that the uh, the public sector team here at QuickBase might have a little bit more of a vested interest into security and that piece of things than than some others, just because of how stringent and like strict it is in the government because of all of the different um, things that they need to put into place. And uh, but QuickBase, you know, we take cybersecurity seriously, and that's what's uh, what's gotten us to where we are now. And it's really why we're so excited about our top ranking with Security Scorecard, which is really why we wanted to bring you on. On today to talk a little bit more about that. So um, I know we were ranked out of nearly 12 million organizations and they rated our cybersecurity program number one on their top 10 index this past month. Um, and that's a pretty remarkable achievement. So um, we'd love to just hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that and if you can talk a little bit more about the security scorecard in general. Yeah, certainly. You know, Security Scorecard's been out there for a number of years now. Uh, they're the number one player in the uh, third-party risk rankings space. Um, like a lot of organizations and, a, you know, a lot of their uh, people in that industry, uh, companies in that industry, they, they uh, collect signals from a lot of different sources. Um, I, I won't bore you with the details on that, but effectively, there's a lot of organizations out there that are collecting all kinds of security intelligence and they basically aggregate that into a score and, and uh, they can present findings and, you know, help organizations understand what they should be focused on, what they should be working on. But it's all this public facing information that uh, any company kind of throws out there into the universe. If you're doing business on the Internet, that type of information is being gathered up and aggregated and reported on. Uh, QuickBase is in an interesting uh, situation because we have thousands of customers that use our SaaS platform to run their businesses. And, and in a lot of ways, uh, they're using our platform to engage with other third parties and such. Uh, we just have millions of signals out there on the, on the internet about the security of our platform and how these sites are being stood up and configured and such. So it's, it's certainly very relevant to us to ensure that that information, uh, the way that the universe we'll say the internet universe sees us, um, is, is, you know, to ask ourselves, why, why do we look that way? And so, uh, you know, for the last year or two, I, I think we've been working with Security Scorecard and other third-party risk ranking systems to understand what that signals intelligence looks like, and then how can we make progress on improving that? And uh, more importantly, how do we make progress on improving that without also breaking the platform at the same time? And that's a much more difficult problem than I think a lot of people uh, recognize. And uh, fortunately, we've got some outstanding engineering teams here at QuickBase. And I'm not talking just security engineering teams. I'm talking site reliability developers, software engineers, people who are you know constantly thinking about our platform and how it's utilized, the architecture in the platform really across the organization, uh, folk, folks, you know, looking at these signals that, you know, we're going out there in the universe, how we were being rated. We were good before. I mean, we were certainly leading before. We, we've been, uh, you know, a leader in this space for a long time. Uh, getting to number one, though, really took uh, an extra special effort. It, it took, you know, a lot of extra looks at, you know, how we're, how we're doing this information, how we're engaging with Security Scorecard, how we're engaging with you know customers that utilize security scorecard and ensure that they're standing up their sites in a in a healthy and supported way. So there was a lot of extra work there to make sure that oh we were good. We were 
honestly taken by a little bit of surprise, you know, it was a little over a month ago, security scorecard, you know, rates up all companies, you know, every quarter and says, you know, this, this is where they kind of fit, you know, in our matrix. And it's based on a lot of things, not just that we are, have a really great security program, but also our level of engagement um, and, and, and how we respond to things, our, our, our turnaround time, as you can imagine, security vulnerabilities, a lot of which, you know, are visible on sites and stuff, you know, they're found right away. So then security credit card is like, okay, well, well what's your time to remediation? How quickly are you, um, taking care of these things. And a lot of companies have, you know, a 30-day SLA for like critical vulnerabilities. Uh, we find our engineering teams are turning those around in, in hours, minutes, I mean, super, super fast. So when you add all that up and, and they, they take all these different criteria that they look at, it wasn't just a matter of, okay, QuickBase has a perfect score. They've, they've, they've addressed everything. They address it super fast. Their, their timelines are down. Their endpoints look great. Um, but it was also, you know, kind of that that level of how fast that we do it, um, our level of engagement with them and uh, such. So it was a it was a neat surprise, uh, you know, that, that we came out on top, not not just across, uh, you know, our, our direct competitors, not just within the technology industry, but across all 12 million organizations that security scorecard rates. Uh, you know, we really had the number one approach to this type of third party uh, risk management. Uh, so it was a, it was awesome to see. Yeah, so impressive. It's so cool to be able to talk about. Very exciting and an impressive feat for your team to take on. So it sounds like really the gist of it is security scorecard is more comprehensive, right? They're looking at the total beginning to end, not just the vulnerabilities, but how it's being remediated. But is that what you would consider is really the big differentiator between security scorecard? I mean, there are a million different indicators on the security of a platform. Is is that what you would consider is, you know, that defining f- segment that that makes this more important than other rankings? Yeah, I think that I, I think one of the things I really like them is it's based on on true telemetry, uh, the signals that an organization puts out in the universe, not just vulnerabilities that are pretty easy to spot. And there's there's a lot of ways to pick that up but also best practices. Um, so if you, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can see that any organization shows publicly. So, you know, if, uh, how emails configured, there's a lot of security things, best practices around uh, how email goes in and out of an organization. There's a lot of best practices of, you know, how endpoints are configured. So when any when anyone uses a web browser to access websites on the internet, they're, they're leaving kind of uh, digital breadcrumbs that, that trace back to uh, organizations. So, you know, um, you know, they pick up on that. They're reported in a very clean, clear, uh, concise format. Um, and it's, it's, it's actionable information. Um, so it's, I think that's, and that's, that's really a challenge. I think a lot of organizations have is they're gathering up an awful lot of signals information. Um, they're distilling it down into 10 primary buckets. And then uh, those buckets, you know, all the findings, there's things you can do to go solve those. I think what makes it challenging for a lot of organizations to, to fix that stuff is I got to be honest with you in the cybersecurity industry, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, these, these third party risk rating systems, they're, they're the bane of my existence because they're so hard to solve uh, because you can't solve it yourself. You know, uh, my security team can't solve most of that ourselves. We need the support of our IT teams. We need the support of our go-to-market teams uh, because they manage our website and our website gives off those type of signals. Uh, we need the support of our engineering teams. So that requires executive support because then you know that work's got to be prioritized and such. 
So I think one of the key differentiators with Security Scorecard, and one of the reasons why they're number one, is how clearly they present that information, uh, how easy they make it for third parties to understand. So we have a lot of customers that use Security Scorecard, which of course makes it you know important to us. Um, but um, I provide it in a very clean, clearer format uh, of information. Um, and it's, it's, it's all stuff that can, you can trace back to, okay, I understand why this is important. Uh, now we need to prioritize it internally and, and how do we fix that and, and balance that with all the other things that we have to do for cybersecurity within an organization. Awesome. Thanks for kind of breaking that down. Cause I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have never heard of security scorecard. So it's important to kind of give them a little bit of a, a background on it. Um, so, you know, we talked about the 39% of breaches, uh, being, being, um, basically happening because of partners or partners are a factor in them. And so I'm just curious how, you know, what would you say to public sector IT teams about how they should be thinking differently about their partner ecosystem and any tips for the teams that, uh, actually evaluate those partners? Yeah, I think they, you know, third-party risk management has been a problem for a long time. Uh, companies like Security Scorecard are trying to help that along significantly uh, so that people can understand not just what a company is saying their security program looks like, but, you know, here's the, here's some evidence of whether that's probably true or not. Um, so I, yeah, I think, you know, when we're looking at partners and like when we look at partners internally, you know, there's there's the sentiment of, okay, well, we'll go ask them a number of questions. So we have these things called security questionnaires that go out that have hundreds of questions on them. Um, so we assess our own partners. And then, you know, uh, by extension, our customers are assessing us in much the same way. Uh, I think companies need to start thinking differently about that. Uh, one of the key challenges I've had with security questionnaires for the longest time is that, you know, they're, they're structured in such a way <laughs> That they, you know, it re it rewards uh, companies that are that are less than honest in their answers, or maybe not completely transparent uh, in the answers they're providing, and it penalizes the companies that are really trying to do the right thing, and you know, be completely transparent where where they may have gaps in, in their security program, um, and then so that's where the security scorecards of the world's, you know, kind of step in and say, well, based on all the signals that we see out there, you know, this is what we can say about their security program. So if you if you have a if you have a vendor you know handing you a security questionnaire and says hey our, our security is perfect and then you work with a uh, third party risk rating service like Security Scorecard and they're like no it's it's really less than perfect that starts to give you an understanding of you know how well can I trust this vendor you know what what kind of relationship uh, you know are we likely to have if if there's this disconnect between what they're telling me on a questionnaire or maybe even what their SOC two says versus what somebody who's actually paying attention and monitoring the signals that this company is throwing off uh, out there. So, you know, I'm of the mind that that those type of uh, services, like a security scorecard, or and there's, like I said, there's, there's many others out there that provide that type of service, <clears throat> are, very, are really critical to thoroughly understand what your third-party risk rating program, you know, you know how effective it is uh, uh, within the organization. Second thing that I'd always like to encourage people to do to ask to speak to the security team. So I have a lot of conversations, as CISO, I have a lot of conversations with customers. Uh, I have some of my personnel have a lot of conversations with customers. And I got to say, if, if you're working with a vendor and, you know, or, or, or maybe you're, you're doing an RFP, just ask for a 30 minute conversation with their security team and, and talk shop with them for a little bit. Have your security team talk shop with them for a little bit. 
um, what I what I've seen in the marketplace is if there's resistance to that, if you know, no, we we only do that after a contract is signed or something like that. Those should be warning signals. You know, the security team should be more than willing to talk to you. And you know, historically, there's been this sensibility that the security team can't disclose anything about their program. And I think we're beyond that as a as an industry now, where you know we really recognize that. Look, it, I should be I, I should be in a position where uh, I can be transparent with our customer base. You know, maybe I'm not going to post something on Twitter about our internal security program, but for a customer or somebody who's looking at our services, by all means, I, I'm absolutely you know going to be free to kind of share what our philosophy is, how our program works, um, how we ensure that we're protecting their data and protecting our systems and those type of things. So that's I think one of the key things that I would I would encourage folks to do is is have that conversation. You know, don't make it just through email, not just uh, questionnaires, but but have a quick conversation and and get a sense of you know how transparent that that company is uh, you know with their with their customer base. Those are great points, especially for our public sector customers because we do get a lot of those security questionnaires uh, that can often be generic and uh, especially in the the formal procurement process, there usually is that kind of veil of silence where we can't um, you know do explanatory uh, you know segments in those security questionnaires. So. I love that follow-up too of having open dialogue because um, having a team like you all uh, that's willing to talk to our prospective customers and existing customers, just it goes a long way to have some actual dialogue and not just, you know, a, a PowerPoint slide of certifications, you know, to actually have that that conversation. And and as you said, it does say a lot about an organization if they're willing to do that and and don't have to have a signed contract yet just to have an open conversation. It's very helpful. We um, have really enjoyed talking with you today. And I think that our listeners are going to get great benefit from the tips and just the insights that you've shared with us. And so for today, that's a wrap. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining us today and sharing your insights. For those of you tuning in to this GovTech Mini, our next full GovTech talk will be out soon. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. It would really help us in our mission to share the positive public sector tech stories that are out there with all of you um, in, in the country. Thanks. Thanks.